Welcome to week two of Finding Hope in the New Normal. I, uh, I wanted to get you engaged in this. And what I'd normally do is I'd say to you, turn to the person next to you and fill in the rest of the sentence. But you're going to have to do this online. So I want you to type into the comment section, uh, especially if you're one of those quick thinkers, because I know there are lots of you and uh, you think really fast and you're really funny. So you want to fill this in. When I get back to normal, I'm going to surf my brains out. I'm going to have a bry and it's going to look like Blue Lagoon. It's just going to be so full up. I'm going to go to the hairdresser so that she can fix the mistake my wife made. You, you want to fill this in, just type it into the comment section because you're going to keep us laughing for a long time. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this. Some of you need to go to the hairdresser so that we can know who you really are. Um, for others of you, when you go to the hairdresser, leave the moustache so you look like Gary with his Maybember, uh, it looks absolutely amazing. Those handlebars were off the charts. But just think about it. When we get back to normal, I was playing around with this thought and I thought to myself, when we get back to normal, I am going to sneeze on an employee. I'm going to burn my mask. I'm going to find some complete stranger. I'm going to give them an inappropriately long hug. It is going to be joy for me. For you, it might be what you're never, ever, ever going to do again. When I get back to normal, I am never, ever, ever even going to think about homeschooling, ever again. The Rogers House, we're not going to do that. One of the things when we get back to normal, though, from lockdown that I've learned, is I'm going to spend more time with my kids. I have had so much fun, though I've played that Monopoly game again and again and again and again and stuck in the mud and little soccer games. I have had such a joy with my kids. I am never going to lose that. But here's the, the whole trick about the fun we've just had, is that we're not going back to normal. In fact, the world is in a completely new normal. It's, it's so completely new. I was thinking about this. Before lockdown, I didn't know what Zoom was. It took a pandemic to get me onto Facebook. But after getting into lockdown, the whole world has changed for me. The workplace has changed. Every aspect's changed. I went on to a, a webinar to try and understand trends that were happening in the world. And uh, I, as I was listening to what people had to say, I decided I would go do some of my own research. And in every single sphere today, the world's changed. I was looking at construction. I've got some pictures here. I was looking at construction, and what I found was that there is a robot that can produce, it can lay 1,000 bricks an hour. The best men can lay about 60 bricks an hour, one brick a minute, but a robot can lay a thousand. There are drones that can paint entire buildings. There, there's a South African company, so this isn't just overseas. There is a South African company that has created, a, 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 not the drone itself, but it's got an agricultural solution to work out when you should harvest, where you've got disease. It, it works out where you need to water more, water less. This is like happening now. And it's not just agriculture and uh, and in the construction field, it's in pretty much every field. You think about the workspace. Workspace, it used to be I go to work. Now it's work as an activity. It's not really a going to thing. It, it happens as much online as it happens in a, in a building. Everything's shifting. I was chatting to my wife. She said uh, she's going to start 
working with people from England and, and Europe. She's going to expand her business into those areas because we're in the same timeline. Like, we're just thinking different. Normal is no longer normal. We've got an entirely new normal. People are going to be working at home. You know, one of the things they said is that in this trend forecast, they said people are going to invest in their homes like they've never done before. And the reason being, obviously, we're working from home a whole lot more, but also we're, in, we're going into kind of recession. People aren't going to travel so much. And who wants to get on a plane anyway? I mean, what if you get on a plane next to big person, they got corona, and then you, uh, it's just, you don't want to go there. We want to stay here. We want to enjoy our areas. We want to, if we're going to go travel, it's probably going to be to Kruger. We're, going, we're staying in South Africa. So investment's going to be in homes. There's stuff in the medical field that will blow your mind. There's, they, with smartwatches and, and DNA genomics, they're able to predict what diseases you're going to struggle with. And they're able to work out what you need to eat so that you can counteract that. In fact, my daughter, she's going to be born on the 18th of June, the doctor tells me. On the 18th of June, she is going to be born. And her world, which is hopefully going to be mostly after corona, her world, she probably won't know what a voice call is. When she thinks and sees pictures of how I've grown up, I think she's going to think they are, I'm from the dark ages. Everything about her life is going to be completely different because we're in a new normal. Now, that's really exciting. It's, uh, it's exhilarating. It's filled with possibility, and it's terrifying. I'll tell you why it's so terrifying. The way the human brain works is we want to see certainty. We want to know how things are going to work. We want to understand our tomorrow. We want to picture it. And we want to be certain of how that's going to work itself out. But right now, in lockdown, the reason people are so frustrated, the reason people are feeling so on edge, is because we've had a new normal forced on us. All of these things were probably going to come, but they were going to come gradually. Instead, they just came in one foul swoop. And what people are feeling, what they're experiencing right now, is I am overwhelmed and life is out of control. I can't, I'm not certain, which is why we need this series on hope. You see, the thing about hope is hope is powerful. Hope can literally get you out of bed in the morning. Hope is the thing that Prisoners of war survived through years and years in the most brutal environments because of hope. They hoped that they'd be reunited with their families. Hope has a strength to it. It has a, a power in it. And when people get hope, they can contagiously influence everyone around them. You think about it. A person with hope, once you've left a person of, with hope, you can feel your energy is just reinvigorated. But hopeless people, you're around a hopeless person for long enough and you feel exhausted. Hope is powerful. In fact, the writer of scripture, he says this in, in 1 Peter, and he's speaking to people who've had the hope knocked out of them. He says this, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I love this. It's a living hope. It's not a dying hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. 
And when the writers of Scripture speaking, are speaking about hope, they're not talking about wishful thinking. They're not talking about cross your fingers, hope it turns out that way. They're talking about confident assurance. In fact, Paul, when he's speaking about hope, he says that hope is an anchor to your soul. When you think about an anchor, an anchor has a strength to it because an anchor stops a ship from hitting rocks. An anchor has power. An anchor will hold a ship when currents and storms and tsunamis and waves are hitting it. An anchor has power. And when waves of depression are hitting you and when currents of pain and when you're getting let down and it feels like their winds of everybody's against me. If you have hope, you will get pushed this far and then you will say, Saul, you are going no further because my hope is in God who will carry me through this. Saul, you are anchored there. I'm gonna get this sad, but I'm not getting any sadder. I'm, I'm gonna find myself in this much pain, but Saul, you're not going any further because I believe my God has a future for me. Hope is powerful. When you have your hope taken, you know, you can always tell a person whose hope has been ripped out. Uh, you can tell an old person, when, you, when I sit at deathbed sometimes, I hear these words, I'm tired, I just want to go home. What they're saying is they're saying, my hope for things on this earth, it's done. I am hopeless. I have no hope for this earth. My hope isn't my next home. I don't hope to stay here any longer. And when you speak to young people who've had hope knocked out of them, they say stuff like, I thought life would be easier. I thought by now I'd be married. I thought by now my business would have taken off. I thought I'd hoped. And the experience they have is bitterness and anger and frustration and pain, they're adrift. There's no anchor for their soul. And so Peter's writing to give people a living hope. But before we open up the scripture, I've asked a friend of mine, I've asked him to speak about his story of hope. He, he talks about how his hope's taken away and then, and then hope is given back to him. And I want you to, to push into the story, listen to the story because it, it unpacks the scripture I'm going to read. Twenty eighteen was a, a really tough year for our business. Uh, we had come out of a, a really bumper year in twenty seventeen. Our business was growing, and we were expecting some kind of growth in twenty eighteen as well. It was funny though that the climate and the economy of the client the country was really focused on state capture and that was the sort of tone that was there which meant that investment wasn't coming into the country and people weren't weren't uh, buying in the country they were not spending we realized that we had to plan both from a futures positive and a futures negative and the reality of the negativity is we, we had realized that if we didn't generate business by October of 2018 we would have effectively closed our doors Anyway, we set about doing our work. We had closed off a few projects going into March and again had a management meeting. And the reality of trying to find new business was really apparent towards us. 
By the time August hit, we hadn't found any new jobs and I had started to get a little bit anxious about this. I had started a little bit of panic stations. Going into September, I was anxious. I was, I was having sleepless nights. I was up early, I was sleeping late. I was just in a, in a, a little bit of a mess. And going towards the end of, of September, I had just become angry. Angry because, you know, I'd realized what was at stake here. Uh, the livelihoods of our employees were at stake. My business partner, Steve, was expecting a baby. My other business partner, Matt, was expecting twins. Uh, we were growing into our home, uh, having moved in, and really wanting to do some really amazing stuff within myself and my wife, Cubs' uh, environment. And that had just stopped. That was no more. So going into the end of September, I had just become angry. And not just angry at society, but angry at God. I couldn't understand how he would put such a clear vision of what we were supposed to do in our hearts and then just abandon us. I just became frustrated and I started rationalizing the type of God that we have. I, I rationalized that God is, is not a, a relational God. He's a God of, of rhythm. I believe that he created heaven and the earth, but I also believe that he creates rhythm. And that means that if you're going through good times, you're inevitably going to go through bad times. And if you hang on just enough, you're going to get out of the bad times and into the good times. That, that was just where I was. So the idea of prayer, the idea of faith for me was, was diminished. Anyway, we were still worshipping at, uh, at, at DPHS at that time. And I remember as we had finished our service there, I bumped into Ross. And Ross could see that my eyes were baggy. I was frustrated with life. And he, you know, he called me aside and asked me what was wrong. And I, I just shared with him where we were. Uh, no different to the story I've just shared with you now. He encouraged me. He said, you need to starve yourself of the stuff that distracts you from building a relationship with God. So you need to turn off your Xbox, which is like a big deal to me. And you need to just get out of that Netflix environment and watching movie. Just get the distractions out of your life and, and really just find what God is doing here. It didn't make sense to me at that time. But when I got home, the first thing I wanted to do was turn on my Xbox. And when I did, actually the motherboard blew, so I couldn't play it anyway. And what that was the catalyst of doing for me was really starting to build that relationship with God. Really starting to spend a lot more time in prayer with Him, with my wife, asking Him why, where, where are we? And as I started building this relationship with me, something incredible started happening. I began to regain my faith, and I began to regain my hope. And the reality of that circumstance was that it wasn't a matter of the fact that we might lose our business. It was the matter of restoring my relationship with God, that even if we were to lose our business, that He was still God in our eyes. That perspective for me really shifted the dynamic of how I approached my work and how I was approaching life. Through that, on the 20th of October, five days before we had to share the bad news with our employees, we got a call from two clients of ours almost three days apart, one saying that they would happy to sign the project would turn out to be the biggest project we would do for our business. And three days later, another client signing a project to say we, we would do a project which was the second biggest 
uh, part of a business project that we had ever done. That was significant for us because it allowed us to grow even further. But what had happened there, it just made me realize that God had called me closer to Him to show me just what, how much of a relational God He is. Quite amazing, having gone through this COVID-19 season that we're all in right now, that when we were, when we were told that lock, lockdown would take effect the first 21 days, the same sort of anxiety started to brew. brew. But what was amazing about that time for me was that I was able to call out those anxieties early. I was able to identify them. I was able to say, I know what this is, where this is going to take me. But importantly, I knew where to take it to. Going through COVID-19, we faced the same nightmares and anxieties that we faced when our business was going to close because in effect, we didn't know how long this thing was going to last. But the peace that was in me was incredible. The hope that God still is God in our lives, that He's still faithful to us, and that He, he just loves us unconditionally. So we didn't know that our business was going to close or not. That was, that was the brutal truth in COVID-19. We didn't know that we were going to lose our homes. We didn't know if any of that was going to happen. But what we did know is that He's our Father. He loves us still. You know what I love about Bones' story? is that it starts off with a hope in a business. And then as he speaks, his hope shifts from being in the business to being into God. I found so much of my Christian faith is about moving my hope from a thing into God. And I don't know if this is true about you, but this is definitely true about me. I am prone to putting my hope in things other than God. Sometimes it's a hope into dumb stuff. I, I can remember dating girls who everybody told me, buddy, they are just train wrecks behind her. This is high risk stuff. Don't go there. And I would go there and I would say these words that I've heard lots of people say, but this is different. And then my heart would get broken. Or we invest in stocks and shares and we invest in high-risk startups. And, and when people say to us, hey, man, that's really high-risk, we go, yeah, 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 but this is different. And then our wallets get broken. Or else I meet people the whole time who've put everything into their careers. They work hours and hours and hours and they get to the place where they think they're going to get the promotion. And then John from marketing comes in and he gets the promotion. They didn't even know he existed. And their whole career feels like it's broken. But it's not just into dumb stuff. We put our hope into stuff that God says. And, and what I found about me is that I then paint a picture about what God said. And I often find it's not what God actually said. I found that God's given me promises. He's given me prophecies. And when I've got to the place where that thing is fulfilled, I look at it and go, that's not the picture I had. Those aren't the people I thought I'd be with. That's not how I thought it would end up because I am so prone to putting my hope in something other than Him. What I've realized about the stage we're at uh, as a country, in the world, with the economy, with everything that's coming against us is what God's doing, people keep asking me, what do you think God's doing? Here's what I think God's doing. He is stripping away our hope 
in things other than him and bringing us back into a hope in a living God. He is stripping away and it hurts. When Peter writes to this group of people who are in deep pain, he's writing to them to shift their hope. His whole purpose is going, stop hoping in worldly things, hope in a living God, in a salvation. And so he says this in in 1 Peter, here it goes, he says, he has given us new birth or we are born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Here's what he's saying. Put your hope in something much, much bigger than your picture. Put your hope in the God of grace who by his mercy sent Jesus to die for your sin whilst you were still a sinner. It's just grace. Put your hope in Jesus who caused you to be born again when you said, I receive you in my heart. He caused you to be born again, grace, into a living hope with an inheritance attached. Here's here's what he's saying. He's going, you hope in little stuff, but there is huge stuff. There is an entire eternity of life with God that you should be hoping in because it's better than you could hope for or imagine. There's something so much bigger. And even in your day to day, you're hoping that those little things will satisfy you. But I have something that you can draw down into your reality today that is better. And then he skips through and he begins to change the subject. And he starts to speak about faith. He says this, He says, and through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last days for all to see. And through your faith, you know, when you read the Bible, faith and hope, faith and hope. You read this again and again, faith and hope. You need both, but they're different. The, the scripture says in Hebrews, it describes what faith is compared to hope. It says that faith, here we go, faith is the substance. That word substance, it actually means realization. Faith is the realization of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's, here's what it means. We hope for something that gives us direction, but faith realizes that hope. It causes it to happen. So when the disciples got into the boat and they're paddling across into a storm, they're hoping to get to the other side. But the moment they see Jesus and Peter steps out onto the water, now it's faith. He's realizing something supernatural to get him to the other side. Faith causes hope to come into being. It realizes hope. Jesus never healed anybody by hope. He never raised the dead by hope. Hope is powerful, but it doesn't realize anything. Hope will get you out of bed. Hope will get you in a direction, but it's faith that brings what you hope for into reality. You need hope to get out of bed, but faith is the thing that causes you to act. See, what was so stunning about Bones' story is that 
God, by his incredible grace, he, you know, Bones didn't deserve God to come through. But God, in his incredible grace, he poured, he dumped grace upon Bones. And he got that contract. But the, the win wasn't the contract. The win was that Bones's hope got restored. It got redirected towards God. And in your hope getting directed towards God, as hope grows, faith follows. And so Bones could then say, now we're in the second tough situation. Now I'm facing lockdown, but I'm fine. I'm at peace. Because why? I have hope in God and my faith is growing to follow. See, here's the big idea around faith. You can take away my car, my house, the business, the, the church, you can take away, God forbid, my family. You can take away every single thing I own. But if I have faith, I can realize what God has for me back. I can be like Job. Even if you take everything away from me, like Job, if I still have faith, I will bring it back into being and twice as big. And there are some of you who've had your hope ripped out from under your feet. You've lost a marriage. You've lost a business. Right now, you're in the middle of this situation and it looks like everything is gonna be taken away from you. And I wanna say, if you've still got faith, you are lethal to the enemy. You see, when Satan comes to Jesus, he says, uh, he, he somehow interacts with Jesus and Jesus then passes on the message. He says, Satan has come to sift you, Peter, like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith will stay strong. Here's, here's the big idea. The thing Satan wants is your faith. Because Satan knows that if you're a person of faith, you will realize stuff from heaven. You will bring it into your situation. You will act on your hope and you will become unstoppable. You know what is deadly to Satan? It's the guy who's been knocked down. He's had everything taken away. And he says, but my God shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. The thing that Satan cannot stand is the person who's had his health ripped away and then says, but I'm believing God for healing. I will see it in this life or I'll see it in the life to come, but God will heal me and it'll be a good day. The person who can stand up with hope and faith is deadly to Satan because he has no weapon to crush him. And some of us, we're having our hope shifted and God's wanting to say, let's strip it away so that you'll put your hope back in me. And once you've got it in me, start taking steps of faith. I want to say to people in pain today because you're unsure, because it feels like everything's been ripped away. I think God's doing the shaking. I think he's not doing it to you, to hurt you. I think he's doing it across the world to move us back into a hope in him. And here's what I know about it. Once you've been shaken and it's been shifted and your hope's back in God, you will begin to, as Jesus said to Peter, you will begin to strengthen your brothers. 
you will find that as your hope shifts onto God, away from the business, away from that getting restored, away from lockdown ending, as you shift it back onto God, something inside of you, Peter calls it an inexplainable, glorious joy, will begin to grow inside of you and you'll start to feel peace in situations that are impossible, and people around you will say, how on earth does that person get it? And you'll go, my hope is not in my ability to fix this problem, it's in my God who supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, today, the world needs you to have that hope. And because of this incredible gift of Jesus, you can have that hope but you have to shift your eyes from living in what you can control to living in what he can control. There are some of us right now that even whilst I'm speaking, your spirit can feel that this is right and you know that you need to move your hope from putting it all in you and I've got this under control and I can make this happen to the living hope, Jesus Christ. And so I wanna, I wanna pray for you. And as I pray, if you're a Christian, you might wanna pray this too. You might want to say, I'm sorry, Jesus, that I've tried to take control of my entire life. I've thought that I could put my hopes in things on earth and I could hold on to them, but I realize I can't. Come, Lord, you be my living hope. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you, the gracious, merciful, great, incredible God, and I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I put my sin on the cross. I, I take Jesus as my living hope. I'm gonna put all my eggs into that basket. I'm gonna put all my life into his hands. And I ask God that as I put my hands into, my, as I put my life into Christ's hands, that you will take my life. You will pour your hope into it and you'll redirect it to affect the world. Jesus, come into my life. And for all of those who are maybe feeling the stress of life right now, I believe that, that God can literally set you free. The way he touched Bones' life, he can touch your life. So I pray, Lord Jesus, you promise your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I pray right now that you bring peace and an inexplainable joy into people's hearts as your son moves into their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that you have great joy this week as you go out and I pray that God fills your life with hope. May you be blessed. Have a great Sunday.